Other People's Flowers is a podcast for stories, poetry, and essays. Thank you for listening. This week's work comes from David Woods. David Woods is a writer and award-winning filmmaker whose first feature film, Till Sunset, was released in the USA on Blu-ray in 2013. His second feature, Night Lens, is in post-production. Four of his six short films have played at international film festivals, with At Movie Geek winning the Award of Distinction at Canada Shorts 2016. His published writing includes poetry in print and online, and his first short story was published by The Pygmy Giant. He is based in the southeast of England. The Hotel with the Blue Light Lydia had left the house in a hurry. Now she was fully in flight as it approached 6pm, and the arches in her feet felt as though they would crack under the impact of another step. Her slender calves were given a deep, delicious, dark delicacy under the hue of the early evening, and she brought them to halt, allowing them to shimmer. Her breathing was noticeable under her dress that swam in waves of plum. Colour had run into her cheeks and lips as the day began to lose its battle to the dusk. The street around her was deserted. No cars were parked and no houses ran alongside the road, just two pavements yawning down the hill and the sounds of a river, some way round the bend ahead. Either side of the road were abandoned industrial yards, timber merchants, ironmongers, building suppliers. Scrap lay about them, suggesting what could have been but instead left to rust and deteriorate. There was no smell. Lydia tightened her grip on the strap of her handbag. Its walnut leather contrasted with the plum of her dress. Inside the bag, a holiday brochure rustled under the added pressure from Lydia's grip. The moon radiated as the night approached taking the place of the fading sun. Her top lip felt the dew of perspiration teasing at her lipstick. Her body was still trembling, but Lydia began to sense control returning. She looked back at the route she had run and saw a crossroads spiking off into elsewhere. She had started from the room, dinner shoes still wrapped firmly around her slender feet, and spurred each heel into a gathering pace, She had not paused for breakfast or considered her location, but the movements from inside the flat had sent her into spasms of fear. The crossroads, lined with thick hedgerows, were not inviting her back, and the thought of what she had run from made Lydia determined to continue her uncharted journey. The bend waited for a move. Lydia took a step, but the pain of her feet speared against the sides of her dinner shoes. Wincing, she stooped down and unstrapped the shoes, releasing the tension into the street. The blood howled across her instep and into her toes. The pus of blisters surged against the tarmac. Lydia began to take tentative steps down the hill, her shoes swinging together in her right hand while the left clung onto the handbag. Shadows started to outline the street, traced in by the piles of scrap either side. The morning ran through Lydia's mind, the fading light only illuminating the terrifying pictures that pushed her for attention. She thought first of the room, a fold-up bed stretched out from the wall and filling up the floor space. The covers were thrown back in disarray. It had not been a cold night, and Lydia was sure she had not thrown them off. 
She lay against the pillows in full dinner dress, and her veins were ice blue. It had suddenly happened, either coming from the wall and into the bed, or already starting under the covers. There was a sound that did not get above a whisper, but hung on Lydia's ear like oil running down the mouth of a well. When it struck her eardrum, it sent a blistering adrenaline rush to her brain, and her face seized up with inexplicable terror. The bedsheets began to move slowly over her exposed legs, taut like satin rope, as her body reacted in a frenzy. She had not looked back to see what was in the bed. She tumbled straight out, finding the handbag on the floor. It was open, a gaping throat spiralling down. Though Lydia didn't recognise the accessory, her left hand was compelled to gather it into her arms, and she rushed from the room, forcing the jaws of the bag shut. The low swirl of oil seemed to dissipate in her ears as she did this and continued to fade as Lydia sprawled through into the hallway that was leaking with the grey tone of a murky day. All those hours later, on this wasted street, Lydia felt her head was still out of context and she clutched the bag for reassurance. This object was all she could trust as the bend approached in a drunken dream. The fury of a car sent Lydia to the pavement as a Mercedes pulled round the bend, the car was a lunar silver, and this quality made it particularly otherworldly in the evening light. It had appeared out of nowhere, all hot tyres and thrusting exhaust, and it had seemed to make a beeline for Lydia, who stumbled out of the way on her blisters just in time. The car skirted the pavement holding Lydia and came to an abrupt stop a few yards up the road. Lydia suddenly found herself clinging to the handbag with both hands, she felt a dryness creep through her throat. The driver's door clicked open and then came the quietly menacing sound of the warning that the headlights were still on. Cling, cling, cling. The lights did not dim. The car door was left ajar and the pling, pling, pling persisted. Lydia backed up a few paces. The handbag creaked under the pressure of her nails. Lydia froze. A gleaming black brogue snaked out of the driver's side and placed itself on the pavement. The shoe stayed firmly rooted to the spot, swayed in the pling of the car and the moonlight seemed to sink in around it. Lydia willed her feet into a backward shuffle. As she edged downhill, the shoe was joined by a black glove, gripping the frame of the open driver's door and a figure perpetually moving in the milk of the evening rose from the Mercedes and fixed onto her. The handbag creaked against the brochure inside. Clutching at her ear, troubled by the noise, Lydia ran blister over blister. Throwing back glances, she saw the silhouetted figure disappear over the rise of the hill, and she continued down, down, down. The road began to taper into a subway, dipping down under a continuation of the scrapyard, and Lydia, with one last check to ensure her pursuer was not behind her, went underneath the ruins. Her lungs would not take much more. They stretched for air against her chest. The lights in the subway were dull and pallid. Some flickered across the twirls of graffiti adorning the walls. It smelled of urine and petrol fumes. Where was the petrol coming from? Lydia was halfway down the subway. She could see the other side opening up ahead. Behind her was blocked off a Mercedes humming at the mouth, its exhaust pointing into the subway. Lydia was deep down in the throat, being swallowed in the stink of petrol. The tread of dress shoes could be heard before any sight of their owner was apparent. They clipped smartly along towards Lydia and were gaining fast. Her eyes running wild, Lydia searched the fluorescent shades for her pursuer. 
She choked back a sob. This man, more a shadow, had followed her from the room. Even as she charged from the exit, she knew she was about to be caught. There was no way the car could fit down the subway, but the shoes kept on clipping towards Lydia, closer and closer. They did not break from a quick walk. Lydia was running, the handbag growing heavy on her shoulder. The clipping started to sound in her ear, and whispering began again, darker and heavier this time. Her eardrums thudded against the slick of the sound. She burst forth from the subway and was bathed in an unexpected blue light. The evening had come on full swing, and coupled with the neon glow from building up ahead, it seemed to cool even the hot pursuit. Lydia realised the danger had passed. The subway flickered back, fluorescent frustration at her. The shadow had left her heels and was no longer whispering into her mind. Lydia considered the building. It drew her on. It was a curious construction that did not announce itself. It was shaped like a pendulum that had been laid on its side. The domed head of the building contained the blue light. It was in a hollow above the main entrance, burning steadily like an angry eye, raining tears over all in front of it. It had a strangely soothing effect on Lydia, and she did not question moving closer for a better look. On the side facing Lydia, the building was entirely paned in glass and a series of stairways and rooms could be discerned. It looked sterile but clean and well presented. The entrance huddled under the burning blue beacon and Lydia sank into tears, allowing herself to be washed inside on the waves of the revolving door. One girl manned the reception desk, observing Lydia plainly from under her plates. The lobby ran away from the perception in two galloping herds, round one side to the staircase and lifts. On the other side was a restaurant, where a businessman with wetted down grey hair, a receding fountain, pointedly worked on a bowl of soup. Lydia hit the floor and headed for the desk. Her footsteps made her self-conscious and she noticed the businessman looked up from his slurping to watch her. The receptionist did not show the slightest reaction as Lydia drew closer, but just kept the same impassive expression on her face. When Lydia reached the desk, the face tilted a millimetre for inspection. Before Lydia could open her mouth to gasp for help, the receptionist presented her with a thin smile and slid a keycard across the desk towards her. Struggling to force oxygen into her beaten lungs, Lydia stared incredulously at the emblazoned number 402 on the card and then tried to gauge the receptionist's intention. All she received back was the crack-in-the-eye smile that did not open to invite conversation. Sweeping the card into her hands, Lydia dashed towards the lift and jabbed the nearest call button. A faint humming could be heard from the concealed shaft, and the display panel indicated the lift was moving down from the very top. Checking anxiously over her shoulder, Lydia saw the shape of her pursuer loom large at the revolving door. Eschewing the ponderous lifts, Lydia made immediately for the staircase, forcing her lungs to stretch out once again. Her footsteps disappeared into the soft carpeting of the staircase, but even with her flight muffled, Lydia still felt the relentless approach of the mysterious figure at her back. Daring not to turn back or look over her shoulder, she checked the number on the keycard again, 402, and followed the wall signs towards the room. She reached the fourth floor and turned the corner out of the stairwell. A long corridor bathed in the mumbling blue light opened up before her, it seemed to go on beyond Lydia's sight, rendering the far end a murky blur of black and blue. Lydia checked the stairwell. No sign of the follower. 
Carefully, she crept along the corridor, the end never coming into focus as she checked the door numbers for 402. The first she encountered was 499. She was going to have to work backwards. Switching from one side of the corridor to the other, she went from 499 to 498, from 498 to 497, and her beating heart, lodged firmly in her throat, was starting to slide back down as the numbers depreciated. The hurried patter of her feet on the carpet brought her under 450, and soon she had reached 420. 402 was in sight. The hard, quicker pattern of footsteps broke Lydia's sink, and the corridor suddenly seemed very small. Swallowing hard, she staggered past the last few rooms, the black and blue swirl at the end of the corridor disorienting her. She was coming apart like a barn tossed in a hurricane. The followers' footsteps thundered towards her, devouring yards of carpet. Crying out in a panic, Lydia latched onto the lifeboat that was room 402's door handle and jammed in the keycard. The door flashed green and she barraged inside. The door locked as Lydia slammed it and she backed away, clasping the keycard to her chest, her breath in bits. The powerful footsteps of the pursuer clamped down outside the door, but much to Lydia's surprise, there was no attempt to gain entry but the shadow of heavy brogues leered through the crack at the bottom of the door. Lydia knew that the stalker would wait for her as long as it took. Turning around, Lydia glanced around the room in a frantic search for an escape route or weapon. It was a neat, clean, but uninspiring hotel room, with only the ubiquitous blue light a distinguishing point. The bathroom next to Lydia was open and bathed in darkness. She progressed forward towards the bed, it was a king-sized bed with two small tables either side. Above the tables were two lamps that were the source of the blue light. At the far side of the room was another door, a way out perhaps. But, as she made to move to the door, Lydia's gaze fell to the bed itself and her insides bunched up as if suddenly exposed to a deep freeze. In the middle of the bed, under the covers, a mound rose up out of the mattress. It was shaped like a person. Still holding out the keycard, Lydia found herself compelled to approach the bed. The shape frightened her, but at the same time aroused a feeling of familiarity. Reaching the edge of the bed, she touched the duvet gingerly and explored the impossible white of the coverlet with her fingers. Lydia leaned forward, driving her fingers on to etch the shape. Her touch confirmed it. The warmth of a human body could be felt underneath the duvet. Her hand kept moving up, taking Lydia onto the bed next to the shape, and with her skin tight across her body with fear, she drew back the covers. With each peel back came reams of dark hair, Lydia's colour. The spill of chestnut brown was followed by a rich plum dress. Matching that exactly of the one Lydia was wearing, Lydia started shaking her head, denying to herself the evidence of her own eyes. Suddenly infuriated, she turned the body over and found herself staring into her own sleeping face. The click behind her was barely audible, but Lydia's heightened state made her aware of even the breath of dust alighting on the drawn curtains. Her body began to convulse terribly. She sat up beside herself on the bed and saw the way back out of the room blocked by the towering figure that had relentlessly tracked her all night. It was a chiselled man clad in a perfectly moulded tuxedo with his impossibly large hands plated down either side of his expansive torso. But even in such close proximity, Lydia could not make out the details on his face. His hard jawline was dressed in shadow and none of his features were visible below his hairline. Like the corridor, he was a black and blue loss of focus.
The man came purposefully towards the bed. Lydia backed up, clambering over the sleeping version of herself that remained undisturbed by the commotion, and dived off the bed for the door. To her great relief, it opened at the first attempt. Lydia crashed through it, leaving her doppelganger to the mercy of her pursuer. As she closed the door behind her, Lydia found herself bathed under the glow of more blue light, but the shadows in her new surroundings were darker, more menacing. They pinched at her body with invasive thick fingers. Lydia hugged herself and realised she had dropped the keycard somewhere between this room and the last, but after a prolonged scrabble in the deep blue, she came up empty-handed, and then she saw the bed again. The new room was identical to 402, the king-size bed, the bathroom lost to darkness and Lydia was doubled up, sleeping soundly. Lydia gazed at the sight in bafflement, but had no time to contemplate as the man charged through the door at that moment and marched straight for her, stretching out his hands. Lydia found another door, like the one she had come through on the other side of the bed. Starting to cry, she pushed through it, feeling her strength deserting her. The same sight greeted her once more, only this time the man with no face was standing over Lydia's sleeping double and stroking her hair. He looked up as Lydia entered, but did not stop his action. He just watched the original version roll tears down her cheeks as her mind cracked in two. Exhaustion set root into Lydia's bones. She just wanted to lie down and stop this headache that was splintering her thoughts. But the man with no face terrified her into limping on through the next door, and on and on. Eventually, Lydia could not go on. She had traversed countless rooms, each with varying representations of the scene in room 402, and she was brought to a halt with the acceptance she had booked the room and would have to wait out her stay. The brochure in her handbag had promised a complete return to your sense of self, and she could not deny it any longer. While the man with no face stroked her doubled hair, Lydia lay down on the bed and awaited her turn her headache flashing black and blue lights across her eyes. Thank you for listening to Other People's Flowers. Other People's Flowers is produced and edited by Hugo Gibson and Chris Kamonvutitam. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you'd like to have your work featured on the program, please visit otherpeoplesflowers.com to see our submission guideline. Thank you.